was probably a couple of weeks ago that Mark asked if I would <coughs> speak on this uh, Sunday. And he gave me the first four chapters of Mark to look at. And uh, so I, I went and I sat down, but I started to read those four chapters through a number of times over a number of days. And then eventually I sat down and uh, tried to work out what it was that God wanted me to speak about. And eventually came to me, and uh, here are all the notes. They just seem to flow. So I hope that what he's given me will be something that is really helpful to each and all of us. So I'm going to read just the first few, well, first 30-odd verses of Mark chapter 1. But we'll be looking at the first three chapters. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Thank you, John Allen. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. But once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching 
because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in the synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on him, on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. As I look through this passage and the next two chapters, it really struck me, or at least got, gave to me lots of things that I don't think I've ever noticed before um, that come out. And so I want to just take us through the three chapters and point out various things that have struck me. Mark begins his gospel by stating that John was Isaiah's voice calling in the wilderness. John's message was a call to repentance because a greater than himself was soon to come. And with that, Mark tells us of Jesus' baptism by John and God's confirmation that Jesus is his well-loved son. And we see his anointing by the Spirit in the form of a dove. From there, Mark tells us that Jesus immediately goes into the desert to be tempted by the accuser, the Satan, for 40 days. And we're told he was attended by the angels, God's messengers. Then, once John's ministry is over and he is in prison, Jesus begins his own. He proclaims, the kingdom of God is near, and he calls on the people to repent and to believe the good news. He then calls for fishermen to follow him, and there to become fishers of men. This they do. 
From the lakeside, they go up to the village of Capernaum where Jesus speaks in the local synagogue. A man in the congregation, possessed of an evil spirit, calls out and says he knows who Jesus is, the Holy One of God. Jesus tells the spirit to be quiet and then commands him to leave the man. He does, we're told, after shaking him violently. Everyone is amazed. This is a new teaching, and it is with authority. So the news spreads rapidly throughout Galilee. Jesus and these four new followers leave the synagogue and go to Simon's house, where Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, who then helps to serve the meal. After the meal, lots of people come to the house to be healed or have demons cast out. Jesus heals many and casts out many demons. Then we're told by Mark that early the next morning, before it is light, Jesus needed to get away and spend time with his Father God in prayer. The previous day, it would seem, the Sabbath had been so busy, Jesus needed time. Could it be to recharge his batteries in his father's presence? From the way Mark gives it to us, those first few days of Jesus' ministry were summed up with that busy Sabbath. Now we see, as Simon comes to find him with the other three, that Jesus' ministry is going to change and expand. Not just the lakeside by Capernaum, where Simon and the others lived, but now Jesus declares, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Mark tells us they travel throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. And even from those first section of Jesus' ministry, I felt that God gave me a number of things that we can learn about Jesus. Firstly, his coming and the manner of his coming was foretold by the prophets. Secondly, he is the Son of God. This was demonstrated by the appearing of the dove at his baptism and by the voice of God proclaiming, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Thirdly, he was human like us and was tempted like us, in his case, particularly over a 40-day period. Fourthly, his message was a call to repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Fifthly, he needed people to be a part of his ministry, and so he called four fishermen to become fishers of men. They follow him everywhere he goes, seeing all he is doing. Later they will be sent out to do what they have seen Jesus do. We also see that part of his good news he proclaimed was demonstrated in the casting out of the evil spirits and the healing from numerous diseases. And finally, like us, he needed to spend time in prayer with his father. Mark tells us now, as we move into chapters 2 and 3, the next phase of Jesus' ministry. 
Firstly, Jesus heals a man of leprosy. This was a disease which disfigured a person, caused them to live as an outcast, away from friends and family, needing to beg as they had no means of working or farming. They had to proclaim their uncleanness if people came near them. People wouldn't touch them or go near them. And yet, Mark tells us, Jesus puts out his hand and touches the man. That was amazing. I wonder what the crowds around Jesus thought. In fact, the man is so pleased at his healing that he seems to ignore, or perhaps just not hear, all that Jesus told him. He has to tell everyone of his own experiences. He has been healed. We see how his good news causes problems for Jesus. Jesus can no longer enter a town openly, and now Jesus has to stay in the lonely places. That made me wonder, is this a demonstration of Jesus taking our place? The man with the leprosy had been living in the lonely places. Now Jesus has to live in the lonely places. Then Mark tells us of another part of Jesus' ministry. He is able to forgive sins. That is amazing, isn't it? It all comes out as Mark recounts the return of Jesus to Capernaum and possibly even to Simon's own house. The crowds pour into the house and fill it. They gather outside the door and windows. No one can get in. Then four friends come bringing a paralyzed man on a mat wanting Jesus to heal him. They can't get in, so they get up on the flat roof, break through the roof, and lower the man on the mat into the room at the feet of Jesus. Jesus sees their faith and then amazes everyone by saying, Son, your sins are forgiven. That astounded everyone. The teachers of the law thought to themselves, Blasphemy! Only God can forgive sins. But Mark tells us that Jesus was able to read their thoughts. That's challenging, isn't it? What are you all thinking just now? He knows every thought. As I look around, maybe I can guess some of yours. It's only guessing, but he knows every thought. Yours and mine. So Jesus challenges their thoughts and says, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? And if you think about it, it's easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, because no one knows whether that's happened. But if you say to somebody, Get up and walk, and he doesn't. So Jesus challenges their thoughts. Sorry. Then Jesus said, But so that you know that the Son of Man and by that term he meant himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And the man did it. Everyone, Mark tells us, was amazed. And they praised God, saying, We've never seen anything like this. Mark makes it clear by recording Jesus' words, and you could say argument, that the proof of the fact that Jesus could forgive sins was in the fact that he could heal the man. And the crowds realize this an amazing claim that Jesus is making. 
He has God's power. He can forgive sins. The teachers of the law, lost my space. The teachers of the law were correct. Only God can forgive sins. However, they were not willing to make the connection that Jesus was therefore God. Mark leaves us to make that connection. Do you believe that? If you do, and that will profoundly change your life as it has changed mine. Mark now recounts an incident that reveals yet more of Jesus' ministry. Jesus has come for those who are looked down on by those who think of themselves as good or righteous. People like the Pharisees. Mark tells us of how Jesus goes down by the lake and sees a tax collector called Levi at work collecting the taxes owed to the Roman authorities. Levi would have been treated as an outcast by many people. We know from the story in Luke of Zacchaeus and how he was not loved or liked by the people of Jericho. So we can imagine that the same could be true of Levi. Just the same, though, Jesus now calls Levi to leave his work and become a follower of himself. And Levi does just that, just as Simon, Andrew, James, and John had. He, we are told, is so pleased he arranges a meal. Should we call it a party? For all his friends. And they, of course, are also tax collectors and others considered sinners, i.e. those who did not actively try to keep all the laws and traditions of the Jewish leaders and teachers. Mark tells us that Jesus and his disciples, those first four, are also at that meal. Some Pharisees, we are told, saw Jesus. Was it when he went into the house? Or did they peer in through the door or windows and saw the meal taking place? However it was, they saw who was there, and they judged them as being undesirables, sinners. And they wanted to know why Jesus associated with such. They themselves would shun such people, would never think of inviting them to their houses, in fact, would probably not let them into their synagogues. And here was Jesus, a religious man, a teacher, having a meal with such people. So they asked the disciples, what's going on? And Jesus explains, he has come like a doctor to help the sick, not the healthy. He has come for sinners, not for those who think of themselves as righteous. And all of us can thank God for that. Jesus has come for all of us that know and admit that our lives are a mess. So many things we wish we could change. So many things we wish we hadn't done. But the good news Mark lets us into is that Jesus has come for us. He can bring forgiveness if we want it. He is looking out for the misfits like Levi and his friends. Mark now tells us of three incidents that help us to understand that Jesus' ministry is not a set of rules. No, it is about a relationship with God, with Jesus himself. The first incident involves Jesus and his disciples not fasting when the religious Jews, like the disciples of John and the Pharisees, were fasting. It would seem that the Pharisees, when they fasted, 
made sure everyone knew they were being very spiritual. They wanted everyone to know the sort of people they were. And so when the crowds of ordinary people saw that Jesus' disciples didn't fast, they began to question if Jesus wasn't holy like the Pharisees were. But Jesus answers them with a picture. He says, people don't fast at a wedding. The bridegroom is there, so we party. Of course, when the bridegroom, le bridegroom leaves, then the guests may well fast. He was claiming in this picture story that he was the bridegroom and, is, and in his presence is joy. The second incident that Mark reveals is about the traditions the Jews had added to the special day God had given the people, the Sabbath, a day of rest from working, a day to spend in God's presence. However, over the centuries, the Jewish leaders had added all sorts of rules about how this day should be conducted. Mark tells us of the disciples breaking one of these rules and the condemnation of the Pharisees on seeing them do this. This condemnation was also aimed at Jesus because he wasn't rebuking his disciples either. Jesus uses an incident from their history of the king David of the past who had similarly broken a law about eating bread. And from this, Jesus reminds the Pharisees that the Sabbath was a gift from God to his people, not a burden surrounded by numerous laws. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Then he went on to claim that he, Jesus, the Son of Man, is Lord of the Sabbath. Surely another claim that he was God. The third incident that Mark records for us is about the same issue. What is the Sabbath day for? In this account, Jesus is again in a synagogue somewhere, and the religious leaders are looking for a way to trap Jesus over this issue. There is a man in the synagogue who has a withered hand. Will Jesus heal him? If he does, that was considered work. That was not allowed on a rest day, on this Sabbath day. So Jesus asked the man to stand up in the synagogue. He then asked all that were there this question. Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Asking the question like that with a person needing healing standing in front of them put them in a quandary. It clearly made their laws and rules seem silly. Obviously, doing good or saving life were the right things. But somehow these rules that had been made by the earlier leaders and were being forced by the present leaders were wrong. So no one dared to say anything. Jesus was exasperated with them. Mark says he was angered at their stubborn hearts. So he takes compassion on the man and heals his heart, hand. At this, we're told the Pharisees leave the synagogue and seek to find ways they can get rid of Jesus. Finally, Mark finishes his, this second section on the expansion of his ministry with the listing of the 12 men by name that Jesus drew around him. These we will see in chapter 6 having been with him 
and learned from him are sent out to do what he has been doing, i.e. to become like him. Where have we heard that before? To be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to become like Jesus. So in these first three chapters, Mark has told us a lot about Jesus. And I hope as it made so much impression on me as I'd read these chapters through, that these things will be a help and a blessing to you. Firstly, his coming was foretold. Secondly, he is God's son. He is God. Thirdly, he was tempted as we are. Fourthly, his message was a call to repent and to believe. He drew people around him to be a part of his ministry. He, like us, needed to spend time in prayer with his father. He was willing to reach out and touch the untouchables. He came to take our place. And the best bit, he is able to forgive, to forgive sins, our sins. The challenging one, he knows our thoughts. All of us. Every minute of the day. He has come for those whose lives are in a mess. The unloved you and me. He has come not to make rules, but to draw us into a relationship with him. He is God. Let us pray, and if not to come up, Emma. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for these verses that Mark has written for us, these little cameos of the life of Jesus little incidents. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for just showing to me these different things. I pray that as they've been a blessing and a help to me, they might be a blessing and a help to each one of us today and through the week ahead. Amen.